0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Bless you, God, is so good. Well, we've been talking about the blessing of generosity. Amen. And uh, I picked this picture. I believe the Lord said there's harvest that's available to us at a completely different level. In fact, as a church, I believe that we're going into the greatest time of expansion that we've ever had. And um, really, uh, we signed the contracts for day starts, the biggest uh, thing that we've ever done as far as outreach. And it, I didn't, this isn't Lawson because Lawson struggled this, thought, thought, thought about it for a long time and struggled with it. But I believe the Lord wants us to do it, and I believe it's going to be very good, and it's going to be blessed. Amen? So, um, praise the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and begin. We've been talking about this. We began... Uh, in Proverbs 11, verse 24 and verse 25, and we talked about seed time and harvest. And Proverbs 11: 24 and 25 says, "There is one who scatters and yet increases. And there is one who withholds more than is sufficient, but it tends to poverty. The liberal or the generous soul will be made fat, and he who waters others will be watered himself." Praise God. So when you get involved with sowing and reaping, with seed time and harvest, there's just good things that come to you. And that's really the first principle of giving that's talked about in the Scripture. It's talked about in Genesis 1, Genesis 8, all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. The second principle that we talked about is the tithe. Abraham actually initiated the tithe about 2,000 years before Christ. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 14. That was 400 years before the law came. Praise God! Now, when we read, we read in Hebrews chapter seven about Melchizedek, right, and Abraham, and how Abraham paid gave. Actually, it says Levi paid tithes to Abraham in Melchizedek. But it's not talking about what Levi did. And that's the only time that the Scripture talks about paying tithe. In fact, I don't even like to use that term. It's actually talking about what Abraham did. And so Levi came over 400 years after Abraham. So I said this, that Abraham's gift settled the debt of many generations. But Jesus' gift settled the debt of every generation. So I've said this as, as the pastor of this church, when you give in this church, I would like you to give it as a seed that you sow, not that a debt that you owe. Amen? Because I believe when you do it with that mentality, it, change, it, it can change what you get on the back end. There's a harvest attached to it. There's a future that's attached to it. Praise God. Uh, But then last week, we started talking about the grace of giving in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to continue to talk about the grace of giving today in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And when we talk about uh, the grace of giving, the greatest disposition on giving and receiving in the entire New Testament is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, where Paul talks about grace as he's right? The the father of the grace message. He talks about grace as much as in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 as anywhere in the the whole Bible. And it's equal to Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6 where he's talking about receiving righteousness by grace through faith. So we're going to go ahead. We began there last week. We're going to go ahead and continue there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today. Actually, we'll move into 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But Paul begins talking to the Corinthians about the Macedonians. And the Macedonian uh, churches were, were actually facing great difficulty and yet they were great givers. And so he says in verse 1, moreover, brethren, 2 Corinthians 8, 1, we want you to know of the grace bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And he talks about their heart in giving. And then he goes and encourages the Corinthians to get involved in this same grace. In verse 6, he says, "...inasmuch we desire Titus that he had begun, he would finish in you, complete in you this same grace." So just like the Macedonians were great givers, he said, I want you to get involved in the grace of giving. And in verse 7, he says, Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, all diligence, in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So when he talks about this, what he's saying is giving really is just part of practical Christianity. And in your Christian life, you ought to get involved in this grace. And then he moves into verse 9, and he talks about Jesus, and ultimately that Jesus is our greatest example of giving. And he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that even though he was rich, he was in the beginning with the Father, creating all things. Yet for our sakes he became poor. And this word poor, any condition on earth would be considered poor with where he came from. However, this word poor means to come to absolute poverty. So it's actually what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He laid down everything. For your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be uh, rich. And the Greek word for rich here is the word pluteo, which means richly supplied, increased with goods, made rich or to wax rich. Praise God. So what he's saying is Jesus identified with us in our point of need so now that we can identify with him in his provision. And he goes on and makes a couple of other statements. One I want to focus on just for a minute. He's talking about administrating the grace of giving in verse 19. But then he says this in verse 20, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. I believe when we administrate finances right in the church, it leads to abundance. And that's what Paul's talking about. In other words, don't blame me for this. Praise God, God's done this. Now, in chapter 9, he goes on and he continues to encourage these Corinthians. So, he says, essentially, the grace was on the Macedonians. I want you to get involved in this grace. This grace was on Jesus. Now, he says, I want to let you to let this grace, the grace of giving, work through you. So, in the first uh, four verses, we read... As touching the ministering, 2 Corinthians 9.1, to the saints, it's necessary for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for I boast of you to those of Macedonia and Achaia was ready over a year ago, and your zeal has provoked very many. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, as I said, you may be ready." Verse 4 less happily, if those of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that say we not, you should you should be ashamed with this same confident boasting. In other words, Paul said, I've been bragging on you. Now, follow through, (laughs) because I don't want to be embarrassed. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. And if I boasted in this teaching, listen, I'm boasting about Jesus and his goodness, and the blessing that it's brought. The Lord has has been very, very good. Um, We move into verse 5, and he begins to give them some practical instruction on giving. And he says, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. In other words, Paul says, listen, I want you to give out of your abundance. I want you to give out of generosity, right? I don't want it to be a need thing. I don't want it to be a pressure thing. And so in this church, I would hope that you never feel pressure in the realm of giving, right? In the Because I want it to be something that you give from your heart, something that you want to do. I never want you to feel like You know, we're pressuring you. And I I think this is what Paul's saying. Listen, just give out of your generosity if you do what you're supposed to do all the time. We're never going to come to a point where we have to pressure people in the realm of finances. I believe it's better to give out of generosity than need. I believe, believe it's better to operate out of a place of strength or a place of generosity than of need. Now, he says... In verse 6, but this I say, he who sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he who sows abundantly or bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So I have a question for you. Who determines the bounds of our harvest? We do. We determine the bound of our harvest, right? By our seed and by the way that we sow. Now he goes on and says this, every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of a necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. This this is one of the greatest ways I believe that we can give just Purpose in your heart. If you purpose in your heart to be a giver, I believe that God will see that you have seed to sow. So I grew up in the church and I grew up where I was taught from a young age to tithe, to give, praise God. But I purposed in my heart as a young man that I was going to be a giver and I started believing the promises. And I can still remember the first time that I sowed $1,000. I gave $1,000 to a missionary. I was about 16 or 17 years old. Now realize when I was 16 or 17 years old, I was making $3 an hour driving tractor. So $1,000 was about half of my summer wages. Praise God. But if you will determine to be a giver, if you will determine to be a sower, God will see that you have seed to sow. So he says, every man as he purposes in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. And so there's times that I purposed in my heart to give in a certain realm and actually I wasn't quite able right at that point in time to do that. So I had to dial it back a little bit. But there's other times when the Lord has directed me to give right, and and do a certain thing, praise God. When we came here to this church, we were given $50 a week. We weren't receiving anything from the church. We were given $50 a week, and then as we grew, we started giving $100 a week. And then when we entered into the building program over on Elkton Drive, I put in $200 that day. And, and that became my regular offering that I would give. And the Lord actually spoke to me because when I started pastoring, I made $800 a month and lived in low-income housing. And then we, then we got moved up to $1,000 a month. But when I started giving $200 a week in, on my Sunday morning, I gave in addition to that special offering, so on and so forth, that was actually as much as I made when I started in the ministry. And the Lord actually dropped it in my spirit, and he said, Lawson, it won't be very long now when you'll be given as much as you're making now. So that was in the year 2008 that we bought that building, the end of 2008, and then we built it out and moved into it in 2010. So I started doing that, praise God, and I, and I just consistently gave, praise God. And then when we bought this building, the first Sunday I came to church when we had just purchased this building, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to put $1,000 in the offering today. And then the next week he spoke to me and told me, I want you to put $1,000 in the offering today. And then the next week he spoke to me and he he said, I want you to put $1,000 in the offering today. So he spoke to me, right? In 2008, when we bought the building in Elkton, I started giving $200 a week, which is as much as I made when I started. He said, it won't be long until you're giving as much as you're making now. And if you took everything that I was making between my cattle, my investments, my real estate and the church, it was about $50,000 a year then. And so since 2017, Barbara and I have not given less than $1,000 a week. Praise God. And it's just, and God has made that, it's, it's not a challenge, it's not hard for us to do that. Now we still live very conservatively, amen, but God has, has and, and I'm not doing this to boast. what I'm doing is this sharing with you how it's worked in my life, but not only how it's worked in our life, I want to share, you know, some things about how it's worked in the church, So he says, give as you purpose in your heart, so let him give, not grudgingly. I don't do this because I have to. I don't do this because anybody's pushing me or twisting my arm or making me do it or making me feel bad if I don't give. But he says, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm doing this because I love God and I get to do it. I want to do it. Amen, it's in my heart. Praise God. Now he goes on and says this in verse nine or verse eight. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you having all sufficiency in all things might abound to every good work. I believe that when we get involved in the grace of giving, that God, it, it opens more doors of grace to us. In fact, I believe that if you don't get involved in the grace of giving in the way that God wants you to get involved in the grace of giving, it may limit grace that's available to you. So he says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, everybody say always, always. having all sufficiency. In all things, we always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Praise God. So it's not something we have to do. It's like we get to do this. Praise God. Now, while we were in the church in Kit Carson, Barbara and I gave and, you know, we just gave regular. But in 1998... I was invited to go to Billy Epperhart's church. Billy was a pastor of Trinity Christian Center in Littleton, Colorado, to a meeting that he was holding uh, for uh, different, he had different ministers, different people there, but he had different special speakers. And when I was invited to go to that uh, meeting, and Billy invited Barbara and I and our family, and Billy paid for us to be there, Right? And Mark Hankins was preaching. And when Mark Hankins was preaching, he was preaching on the double. He was preaching on finances. And Mark offended me. <laughs> but I was invited, Billy invited of us because certain missionaries that we supported. And to be honest with you, Billy put us up, our whole family, in the Mary Hotel all week, right? Every night. And he paid for he paid for all of our meals. He took care of us. And we didn't actually have a lot of personal money that was available to us to give at that time. And so I put about $100 in the offering that week. Now, for years after that, I gave Billy $50 a month to his ministry. He didn't know about it until I told him a couple years ago. He said, well, thanks. <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I continue to give back. But but when Mark Hankins was preaching, Mark offended me. And it was it really what he did was he offended my religion. And so when we were coming home on Saturday morning from Denver, we were driving back to Kit Carson. I, I was just, you know, we stopped at the McDonald's because now I was buying lunch. And in 1998, you, they had a special going. Quarter pounders with cheese were two for two dollars. You could buy a quarter pounder cheese meal for $3. So it was Barbara and I and the three boys, so I bought. I ordered because I didn't want anybody to spend too much money. So I got four quarter pounders and cheese with four waters, and I got one meal for $3. And after I ordered and paid for it, then I went to the restroom, and when I came back out at the table where we were all sitting, there was my water and my quarter pounder with cheese and the french fry box with one french fry. (laughs) Now I looked at Barbara and I said, honey, where are my french fries? Because even if you divide a box of french fries five ways, you get more than one french fry. (laughs) And now this is what to me Barbara said. Now she might have a different little story or rendition of what she said. (laughs) She said, you can be a once French fry man if you want to, but I believe God has more. And later she told me, she said, Mark was right, and you are wrong, and you need to get over it. (laughs) Now listen, uh, it was hard to live with me. Actually, it's very hard to live with me until I got a revelation of grace. That was in 1994. We'd already been pastor in six years. But then in 1990, I'm still conservative. I'm still conservative today. Don't think I'm not. But at, uh, at, at this same point in time, she said, Mark was right, and you were wrong, and you need to get over it. So we drove on home. That was Saturday. Sunday, I got up. I preached Sunday morning. Monday morning, I got up, and I went running. And when I went running Monday morning, the Lord said, Mark is right, and you are wrong. And you need to get over it. And he came here a couple years back and he said, I could see that you got well over it. (laughs) Hallelujah. And now Mark serves on the board of this church. And actually, it's good to have people like Mark. See, because I've actually had these thoughts about going on Daystar, right? And it costs a lot of money, but you don't get a chance every day to have the signal going to over 5 billion people on the planet. And, and so I, I mentioned it to Mark, and Mark just told me, he said, Lawson, all you need to do is believe God for 100,000 more a month, and it's no problem at all. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I, kinda, I was kind of arguing with God somewhat about it, and I felt like, you know what, God really strongly impressed me that we're to do this, so we signed the contract. We're going on Daystar, and we'll be on Daystar three days a week starting January 2nd on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 1.30 p.m. between Joseph Prince and Rick Renner. And it's a great spot for us. And I believe that 2024 will be the greatest year of expansion that this ministry has ever had. Hallelujah. And I believe, just like that picture shows you, that harvest is available at an entirely different level than we have ever experienced before. Amen. So, I'm believing God for more than I've ever believed Him for. Amen? But when we look at this scripture, He says, When we get involved in the grace of giving, that God is able to make all grace, it opens up grace to us, abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Say, always. Always. Having all sufficiency in all things. I believe that God always wants us to have all sufficiency in all things. In fact, when I was praying about this next step that we're taking, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, "Lawson, last Sunday, I felt like he spoke to me and said, you're not able to do this, you're well able to do it. You always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And when you get involved in the grace of giving, I believe when we get involved in the grace of giving that we can abound to every good work. Now this church, right? Shortly after, I want to preface this before I get into this. Shortly after I accepted that Mark was right and I was wrong, like my wife said, and I needed to get over it, the Lord began to... To direct my thoughts. And he said, Lawson, if you can pastor a church of 100 in Kit Carson, Colorado, and give away $50,000 to missions and other ministries every year, you can pastor a church of 1,000 and give away $500,000 a year to, to missions and other ministries. Now, that, God spoke that to me in 1998. That became a reality in 2016. So that took 18 years for that to happen. But since the year 2016, we have either given in cash gifts or gifts in kind, right, $500,000 as a church ministry or more to missions and other ministry. This year, I just looked at it in December. We were right up against $500,000. In addition to that, we forgave a debt for a missionary of $154,500. Amen? So we're right there. But notice what he says. When you get involved in this, and and, in Karis Christian Center, currently, we support about 35 ministries every month. In addition to that, we give to about 35 a year, we give between 60 and 70 ministries a year. Praise God. And being it's the end of the year, we've been sowing special seeds. We like to sow special seeds to different ministries, okay? So we've given recently to about 20 different ministries, just special gifts for the end of the year. One of those was Dr. Delron and Peggy Shirley Teach All Nations. And Delron came to me earlier this year and they had an opportunity. He said, Lawson, we've got a group in, I think it's up here in Denver, but it's here in the United States. And 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 what they do is they gather up metal, medical equipment to build hospitals in third world nations. And so he said, we have an opportunity to build a hospital. And he showed us that place when we had our international night in this place. And there's a lot of people die there because it takes over a day to get to the closest hospital. So, They die while they're trying to get to the hospital. But this group is donating $400,000 of equipment for this place in North Africa. They supply the place. The place in North Africa supplies the place, right? People are donating all this equipment to start this hospital. All we have to do is pay $35,000 to transport. So I told Dr. Shirley, I said, hey, I'll do a gift match of this month of this much money, and I'll do it, you know, in December. However, I felt impressed, and I wanted to do it earlier. So I sowed that seed earlier. So when I was driving back from the Bible school on Thursday, I was at a stoplight, and I opened my email, and I got a praise God from Dr. Shirley, and he said, Lawson, you gave this gift match, and people were matching it and giving to it. We had almost $15,000. And there's a certain individual that wanted to donate to help some of these, but they wanted them to have nearly the 15,000, or they didn't want to do the gift match. So I did a gift match. We got nearly the 15,000 with my gift match and his other donors. And so that person went ahead and gave 15,000. So we're going to get that 35,000. We're going to build that hospital in North Africa. Then Julie Mapatano... Was working and we love to give to Julie and and she had the same opportunity in the Congo, so he told me when I was talking to him on the phone. I just called him up immediately. He said, "Well, Julie hasn't got much money," yet. and so he, so I said, "Okay," and I had agreed with Julie to do a gift match. So I went home immediately, right? And I got online and I got on and I and I gave five thousand for Julie. And she hadn't got much money in because we did a gift match just to buy a truck for her, which she got all the money to buy a truck. She was paying $2,000 a month to rent a truck. And she feeds about 1,200 single moms and orphans every day of the year in the Congo. So... We helped her buy that truck, and we had more than enough money come in and buy that truck. So I'd already done that. So she wanted to hold off. But Dr. Shirley said, this person or this group may give another $15,000 if Julie could come. So I went and gave $5,000. Somebody else came right behind me and gave $9,800. $9, they were so inspired by our gift, they wanted to get that $15,000 so Julie could be a candidate. Praise God. So we're helping build. Amen? a church in North Africa in a very poor third world country and a church in Congo or not a church. These are hospitals, but we're also helping build churches. So I can tell you, you know, we've been doing this. We've been building these churches and we work with it and they're all spirit filled, great churches in India. But what ha- has to happen? The church in India has to raise enough by tithing There are people tithing from that church to match our gift. And what we're doing is we're given 2000 as a church but we have a, a, an, another group is matching our 2000 And then after COVID, they couldn't get their money, you know, changed from the U.S. dollar into the Indian money, the rupee, uh, through the same group that they were given. So they had to find a new group. So they found a, a, a businessman in the Middle East said, listen, I want to do this, and I can get this money changed into rupees. So what happens is we give 2000 right? Then another group gives 2000 so that they're matching our two thousand, so that's four thousand. This guy, when he started exchanging the money, he started giving them an additional like twenty-five percent on it. So they're giving him four thousand, and he's giving back five thousand dollars worth of rupees. So instead of charging him to change the money, he started adding to it. And they asked him this year, they said, because he did it last year, they said, do you want to do that again? He said, why wouldn't I? He said, I'm in the oil business in the Middle East, and my business, since I started giving, doubled. So why wouldn't I want to keep adding that 25% on your gifts? But this is just what happens when we get involved. And not only that, I've got, see, we're giving as a church, and we're building, I've got other people that are matching us. Praise God, and they're building the churches. Praise God. So, so this money is getting multiplied so many times. And we do this over and over and over again. And we're, you don't know what this means. You say, Pastor, what's it mean to build a hospital? Listen, I went to Nepal in the late 1990s. And I preached over there in Nepal, but I met a man on the plane from India while I'm flying to Nepal over the Pacific Ocean. And he's telling me, you know what? It's the it's the church, it's the it's believers in Jesus who fund education. It's believers in Jesus who fund hospitals. It's believers in Jesus who are changing people's lives. And after I read the Bible for how I think 11 years, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I gave my life to Jesus. Hallelujah. And you, you don't know how just a little bit sometimes can, can go a long ways. And, and we get to do this. We get to share the gospel all around the world. And I don't believe that we're done in the realm of giving. And the last thing that I'm going to do when I'm going to do more outreach is cut off my giving. I might redirect some of it, but we're going to keep giving. We're going to keep sowing. Why? Because we know that not only as as individuals, the seed that we sow has a harvest, but we know as a church, the seed that we sow has a harvest. And I actually believe that it's scriptural for a church to give at least 10%. We've given between 10% and 27% of our income every year that we've been here. And we just keep giving and God keeps blessing us. And in the Old Testament, there was a principle that the general body of Israel gave tithes to the tribe of Levi, and the tribe of Levi gave to the priesthood, and the priesthood gave to the poor. So everybody gave. And I've seen churches that will argue about this giving, and I'm telling you, I believe in it. And I'm not asking anybody else to do something that we won't practice as a church Amen? And you know what? It works supernatural. It's supernatural. There's no way that you can explain the blessing on this. And so he says, God, when you get involved in the grace of giving, in verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. In verse 9, he says, as it's written, he is dispersed abroad. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He's actually quoting Psalm 112 verse 9. And Psalm 112 is talking about the fruit of a righteous person's life. Giving is a fruit of the righteous person's life. When God, who is the greatest giver, lives on the inside of you, you can't help but want to get involved in this grace of giving. So he talks about some things that happen. In verse 10 and 11, I, I've, I've, when we get involved in it, in fact, I've identified seven of them. And I just never had really identified all of these before. Notice what he says in verse 10. Now, he who ministers seed to the sower, when you get involved in seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, when you get involved in the grace of giving, I believe that God gives seed to the sower. In fact, I believe that if you'll get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. Amen. <laughs> he ministers bread for your food. You see, I, I don't believe that your living is ever going to be a problem when you get involved in the grace of giving. He ministers bread for your food. He says in verse 10, he multiplies your seed sown. Number three, he multiplies your seed sown. Number four, he will increase the fruit of your righteousness. Verse 11, being enriched in everything. I believe that, you know what? Just like Paul says, don't blame us for this abundance. I believe that, that, this, that it overflows in other areas. Barbara's just been telling me, it's so nice, Lawson, that we're living in the overflow. Hallelujah. It's not always been that way, but it says this. He says, You'll be enriched in everything. The sixth thing he says, To all bountifulness, to all bountifulness, which causes through us, number seven, thanksgiving to God. So, seven results of getting involved in seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, and the grace of giving. Number one, seed to the sower. Number two, bread for your food. Number three, multiply your seed sown. Number four, increase the fruit of your righteousness. Number five, being enriched in everything. Number six, bountifulness. And number seven, thanksgiving. But he also talks about another area. He talks about, in verse 12... And verse 13, well, through the end of the chapter, really, how when we administrate this gift right, what it brings. He says, For the administration of this service, not only, number one, supplies the want of the saints, it takes care of what the saints have desire for. It's abundant also by many thanksgiving. It brings thanksgiving again to God. Verse 13, while by the experiment of this administration, number three, they glorify God. It causes glory to God. I believe then when we get involved in this grace of giving, when it's administrated right, that it brings glory to God. Number four, for your professed subjection to the gospel of Christ, I believe it's a testimony of the grace of God in our lives. And he says, and for your liberal distribution to them and to all men and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. And finally, number five, it brings thanksgiving again to God. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. You know, ultimately the greatest giver is God and the greatest gift is Jesus. And there's no way that you can explain the goodness of God, the grace of God, that he says, thanks be to God for his unspeakable. We don't have words to describe how abundantly gracious God has been to us in the person of Jesus. Amen? But when God lives in us, when Christ lives in us, I believe that we're going to get excited. Amen? To get involved in the grace of giving. And listen, I believe when you get involved in it, ultimately, it brings blessing to you. Amen? God bless you guys. I love you. We appreciate you. Have an awesome week and invite some people next week to Christmas Eve. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.carischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.